soul that we want and need to heal and to work through. And all of those beautiful downloads and insights are within us. We just have to turn with compassion and curiosity to open up that space. Hi there, I'm Kelly Tennant, and welcome to The Platform Podcast, where we get real so you can be well. Each week, I sit down to have authentic conversations with the leading voices in health and wellness to help you detox your life and give you the tools to feel your best and most vibrant self. My guests are here to educate you on the latest healing remedies, ancient wisdom, and alternatives to the traditional path. I've personally curated the platform to elevate your mind, body, and spirit. You guys are in for such a treat today. A few months ago, I had my incredible friend Tiffany Louise on the show and we talked about a lot of stuff. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that before you listen to this episode. But today, Tiffany and I are celebrating the launch of her brand new book, This Year I Will. And it is a weekly journal that will take you through an entire year of work. And what she has created in this journal is next level. She's taken this concept of working towards goals, but broken it down into getting rid of our limiting beliefs and our fears and really creating and understanding our desires and how we get there, how we get from point A to point B and the entire journey in between. It's beautiful. I love it. I'm personally using it because I got an advanced copy. I feel so special. Thank you, Tiff. But make sure that you find Tiffany on Instagram at tiffany.louise and get her book, This Year I Will. I guarantee you it will make some huge impacts in your life. And just spending some time with yourself, reflecting and journaling can be one of the most powerful things that we do. And Tiffany and I talk all about that in this episode. So please enjoy. So I remember when we were in Chicago and you told me about this book coming out. And obviously, I was so excited for you and proud because I know how much goes into this and just the way you work with you put your whole heart and soul into things and it's really beautiful. But why did you decide that a book that really is a journal was the way you wanted to go for your first big hurrah into this space? I love that question. And I will tell you that I didn't decide. Um, my higher power did. Yes. So this is a part of the story that I love to share because it kind of relates to something that I've been talking about and feeling into in my own life, sort of relating to this hustling, make it happen, go out and chase, bang down the doors and make shit happen. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this story of how this occurred for me is really an example. And I think I choose to call my higher power God, but spirit, source, whatever you, you know, or if that is a relationship for you, this is an example that my higher power showed me of the the way that we don't have to operate that in that context. And so for me, I had no idea that this was going to happen. I had actually been building my business for three years and I was working um, in a treatment center where I had been for the last like eight and a half years. And I was getting ready to say, okay, I built this up to a place where I can transition. It's sustainable. And within two weeks of leaving my full-time job, 
I had an email in my inbox asking me, a publisher asking me if I wanted to write a book. And I was like, is this real life? Like, this is how it, <laughs> how it goes. Like, I was like, this is spam. Who are these nutty people? Like, you, you know, I'm sure your inbox is full of wonky stuff. Yeah. And I was like, holy moly. Like, one, I created the space and the universe stepped right in. Two, I didn't have to make it happen. And actually, I made it happen by doing the work, being faithful, persevering. And they noticed, right? They're researching authors. They saw my credentials, the work that I was putting out in the world, just showing up in service, even just in my Instagram posts, right? Writing, serving. And I think I really magnetized it to me. And I was like, holy moly, I had this story about writing a book that it was going to be so hard. And I would have to write my proposal and get turned down by 30 publishers, like everybody said. (laughs) And none of that happened. And it doesn't mean like the next book I write, I might have that experience, but it really was miraculous. And this was their idea. And it was completely in alignment with me. And I, and I ended up being like, I never thought my first book would be a journal. I thought my first book would be all my heart and soul and every wise thing I'd ever learned from anybody else and sharing that. But I actually think about the perfection of this in that the first book is a tool for other people. It's actually a book that becomes the reader's book, not my own. And that I love because the mindset and the intention for me that I've really managed and worked on my whole life is if I'm going to write, is it because I want to be a published author and like the ego response to that? Or is it because I really want to serve because books literally saved my life? I have a handful of books who, that are so worn and crinkled from reading them in the bathtub and the covers are ripped off that... I have highlighted and read over and over again. And what I want to do is serve from my writing. So I love that God gave me the first opportunity and it's in service. So no, it wasn't my intention. It wasn't my dream and dreaming to write a book, but not a journal. And it ended up being more perfect than I could imagine. Yeah, I think it's amazing. And the first book that I put out years ago, I think it was like 2014 when it came out and it was called The Transition, Every Athlete's Guide to Life After Sports. And I had the same experiences you where I always wanted to write a book, but this actually ended up being more of a handbook where I wanted people to be able to mark it up and use it and go back and reference and really feel like it was their tool for their transition. And funny enough, we just launched our journal last Friday. And I saw it. It's yeah, beautiful. Thank you. And it's so funny that you launched this book, which is a journal as well. And I love that there is sort of this collective of women our age that are now understanding what it means to have tools and resources at your disposal every day that can change your life. It doesn't have to be these expensive things that cost all this money that can transform who you are every single day. So I want to know how journaling has impacted your life. I completely agree with you and in in such profound ways. So I grew up with a mother who's ahead of her time. And she, I mean, from the time I could remember, I had pretty little journals that I would have a little lock and key on and I would hide them under my bed. And like, so this was something that was a part of the language in our household from the time I was little. Um, But it was more so I would talk about, my sister made me mad or like, 
you know, the girl at school was mean to me. And it would be sort of inconsistent. Throughout the years, I would journal more or less, but it was hard for me because my perfectionism sort of like got activated in journaling, which I think a lot of people can relate to. It's like you want your want your words to sound perfect. And if your idea isn't fully formed or or exactly what you mean, it's like I would be editing my journaling. <laughs> and so I sort of struggled with it and, and left it a little bit more at bay until my late 20s, where I sort of experienced, I got hit by massive anxiety, like anxiety like I had never experienced or even understood. And part of my healing journey was returning to journaling, but really just pouring my heart, soul, and every thought that I was thinking into this journal because there's something powerful. It's like, there's one thing to talk about it and see and feel your words in the air, but there's another to put pen to paper and watch those words in real life. They're tangible. You can touch the ink, right? And so for me, what I really saw is it helped me really keep track of what I was thinking. And with anxiety, anytime we're talking about healing that, and a big part of you know the mind body spirit connection is our mind and our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings create our behavior and so if i wanted to stop feeling anxious and doing things that were a product of anxiety i had to get back to my thoughts so journaling really became something that i connected to again at a very difficult time in my life and became the tool amongst other things working out working with a therapist all that other stuff that i used to walk myself out of a really difficult time and to really change my mindset. Yeah, it's so true. And it's the perfectionism is something that when I first started journaling kept creeping up for me as well. And I wanted it to look a certain way. And if the grammar wasn't proper or my handwriting was weird, I was like getting upset with myself. And I started thinking, well, this is defeating the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so it was when I really let go. And it was actually our our mutual friend Laura Holloway who was talking to me about free writing and just letting it be. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't even feel like it's in English and it's very not pretty, but it gets so much out and you're just you're becoming a direct line to source and you're getting every feeling out. You're getting all of the downloads and all the information that needs to come through you onto paper. And that that transition for me of knowing what journaling could be rather than what I was trying to make it was a massive shift. That's really powerful. And I love that that idea of connecting to something greater to source in that moment. And, and the downloads that we might not even recognize until we ask ourselves the question, when did I feel best this week? What, what were my thoughts? That curiosity about ourselves. You know, We talk about self-love a lot. And I've been really thinking about this question and marinating on it. Like, what is self-love? And it's not always the bubble bath or the things that we talk about. It's, it starts with... how And how do you practice it? It starts with curiosity. We are curious about people that we love. If I were with you and you were seeming off or something was wrong, I would be curious. I would say, Cal, what's going on? And I noticed that you seem different. And what do you think it is? And I would lean into you and say, sweetheart, let me help. But how often do we lean in and truly get curious about ourselves? And all that we want and need to heal and to work through. And all of those beautiful downloads and insights are within us. We just have to turn with compassion and curiosity to open up that space. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And the thing I really enjoy looking through your journal, um, I have it right in front of me, is that every day there's a different prompt. And so you sort of you give this concept and then you ask a question and then you tell people what to do. So for example, this page says, we often chase a goal because we actually desire the feeling we believe the goal will give us. What are the feelings your goals will bring you? Get specific. Write down all of the feelings you believe you will experience when you accomplish your goals. So for example, I will feel joyful, content, peaceful, proud, loving, free, purposeful, confident, expanded, powerful, passionate, and connected. So you connect all these amazing things and you're allowing people to step into their feelings. But what is profound to me about the way you've written this is that they address their feelings, but then they get to see and write down what it will feel like when you accomplish it. Why did you make that correlation? So what I found in my you know 17 years of working as a therapist and a coach is that our goals are really a reflection of the feeling that we believe we will achieve when we reach them. So I, you want this house or to write a book or to have a beautiful relationship because you believe that when you have that partnership, you will feel loved, you will feel safe, you will feel secure. Whatever those feelings are, indicate your valued feeling states. And so the, the research really shows we don't get happy when we tap into the goal. It is a very... When we reach the goal in that moment, it's a very fleeting experience. Our happiness is really derived from purposeful pursuit of goals. The research really shows we are happiest on the journey, even though it doesn't feel like it. When we connect to what we want to feel, not just at the outcome, but on the journey, that's where we have fulfillment in our lives. If the only time is that you're going to feel happy, secure, and loved is with a partner... That robs you of that feeling every single day until you live your way into that relationship. So I found that when we can really say, I want this goal because I feel like I will be confident when I'm on that stage. How can I build confidence every day? How can I... Where do I feel most confident? Which people am I around when I feel most confident? To really work on nurturing that end result in your day-in, day-out life. Because that I really believe is how we have purposeful, happy, fulfilled lives is to be in connection with that every day. Question for you. Do you know what tests to ask your doctor for? I've been having this conversation with a lot of you about what to do when you find a doctor and you go in and you have a conversation with them and they just tell you what's going on and send you on your merry way. Here's what you can do. Go to thisistheplatform.com and download tests to ask your doctor for. And what this resource does for you is it empowers you, it gives you confidence, and it gives you an idea of what tests and questions are best to go in with. And when you come in prepared like this, your doctor will have to answer you. And that's what we want, right? We want to be able to advocate for ourselves in a big way. We want to be able to walk in a room and feel confident that we can ask questions for our health, which is the most important thing in the whole world. So if you use this resource, I guarantee you, you'll feel so much better when you're having that back and forth with your doctor and you can ask the right questions. So don't forget to download that, take a look at it before your next doctor's appointment and let me know how it helps you. 
something that I've learned from you in the time that we've become friends over the last year is just the vulnerability and, and the way you share yourself with the world in a very raw, honest way. And you talk about the, the hard things that you go through and the, the mean comments that you get and the messages that are hurtful and how it affects you. And I feel like this journal is a perfect reflection of that because it's allowing people and giving them permission to also step into these hard things that we go through, but also taking them from the darkness into the light of, yes, of course, we're all going to go through really hard things. That's very difficult. But the beautiful thing is, here are the tools and the steps you can take to get into the light. Absolutely. And it's so funny. I was just downstairs talking to some contractors who are working on my home. And we all know this, like this man who's pounding nails in the wall, just like turned to me when he asked what I was going to do on this podcast and said, it's so true. He's like, how we choose to relate to what occurs in our life makes all the difference of where we end up. And like, this is just a universal knowing that we all have in our spirit, but we get lost and it gets hard and we get patterns that get activated in our mindset that are our best ways of coping. And so we struggle with, with, shifting and with taking whatever challenges on our plate, however hard, however difficult, we struggle to feel, first of all, how all that comes with that, the, the dark, the, the pain. And then we struggle to find a way to one foot in front of the other, walk into the light. And I think you know DBT is, is something called dialectical behavioral therapy. And it talks about a dialectic of having two things capable of being a, of, of occurring at the same time. So how do we hold our struggle, but then also touch gratitude? How do we hold the pain of our loneliness, but then also look for where we do have love and connection? And so I believe how we walk into the light is to touch it in our lives where it is, because all of us have it. Um, we are just sometimes blinded to it. And this is like a universal human experience. Like how do we rewrite the stories of what occurred? How do we find triumph over them? And then how do we find purpose in our pain? And that is when we bring the light into, into those dark places. How have you found purpose in your pain? Oh my God, every day. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Um, I, I could not be more appreciative for this journey that I've been on, but I can say at this point in my life that any struggle I've been through I have already seen the purpose, the beauty from those ashes, the reward, the way that that story has helped me impact other people and support them and help them heal. So for me, I that's the thing about getting older. We all, you know, rage against it or struggle with it sometimes, but the reality is for me this wisdom is something I wouldn't trade for the world because you get this track record with your life if you are looking for it. Right where I can see, yeah, that happened, but look at all the grace that surrounded me. Look at the therapist that happened to be in my life right at that time. Look at the friend who let me sleep on her couch while I was going through that breakup. Look at the client who's now sitting across from me right where I was 10 years ago. And I have wisdom fought for through hard work and a lot of you know soul searching that I can now share with her. So I really can say every part of my life um, and struggle to this point has has been purposeful. And I have found greater happiness in my life for that suffering. So thinking about that time when I was really struggling with anxiety and working my way through that mindset, I have more peace now than if that, wouldn't have never, that would have never happened to me. I had to do things 
take care of myself in better ways. And I'm sure you can relate to this on your journey. Like when you struggle, you're actually forced to choose yourself in a way you never would have if it didn't happen. Yeah, that is so true. And I, I think I think I posted about this yesterday and I said, choose yourself. Because so often we're choosing everyone else. We are serving other people. We are helping other people. We are saving them from their stuff. Yet we never turn and look in the mirror and say, what is it that you need today? How can I help the little girl inside of me? What does she need? How is she feeling? And it's so true when we make that shift to choosing ourselves and to filling our own cup before we give to others. That's when we can truly be of service in a very whole way. Absolutely. And one thing that I used to say to my patients working in addictions, this is tends to be a much more feminine experience. It just in my experience, like you tell I would tell my male groups, you need to go to a meeting a day if you want to really heal this addiction. And they would just do it. They didn't struggle as much to say, oh, but I have my kids at home, or oh, they just knew that they need to take care care of themselves to take care of other people. But women just generally speaking, struggled more. They were like, but I have all these obligations. And if I go at night, then I'm not helping my son with his schoolwork. And we just struggle more with really putting ourselves first. And what's happened with this subject, I think, is it's gotten so cliche, right? The, the like, where do you put your air mask first on an airplane? And we've heard that 50 million times. But the reality is, is choosing yourself is choosing all of the people who love you. And not from a place of self-absorption or selfishness, but really honoring yourself and taking care of yourself is the most loving thing you can do for everyone who loves you. And anyone who really loves you wants you to absolutely choose yourself. So it, it becomes this like water wheel, right? It's like as we pour into us, we pour into other people, but we have this story that it it is selfish or we're also benevolently meeting the needs of everybody else, but that's selfishly how we're trying to get out of doing our own work oftentimes. I know I did that myself. I was like the source and the helper and and all that stuff that relates to codependency, but that was a really good escape from me dealing with my own life. Yes. I love that you said that because that's exactly where I am right now. Um, as you know, many of the struggles I'm going through in my personal life is working out of that codependency. And I feel like I have been distracting myself from my own work for so many years by helping other people and by putting their needs first. When I really look at myself, I'm the one that needs to save myself. I have to take care of me. I have to address my own things. And that is a really, really painful thing to do oftentimes, which is why we put it off. Because when we really do the work, we're going to do what I did all day this morning is just cry and feel it and have to be in it but that's the only way to get through. Yes. And also to have compassion for yourself for serving outside of yourself as a way to escape. I, I sometimes think this pressure to like deal with everything all at once and I, I, is, is really hard for many of us. And I think that we deal with things when we're ready. We deal with things when the divine timing aligns in our life. Now we can choose to speed up that process and heed the signs of our life like, hey, you're you're disconnected. You're all over here in everyone else's business, saving and serving, and where where's your own cup completely depleted? But I have compassion for that Tiffany who was hustling for her worthiness in that way and trying to help other people. And you know, it, it's where I needed to be 
when I needed to be there. And then when I was ready and prepared and had the skills and the support, then it was time to do my work. So, you know, I think sometimes that that timing of of living into that is really divine. Also, because I wouldn't have anything to talk about if I didn't really experience that for a really long <laughs> period of time. We'll be like, yeah, okay, lady. Right. <laughs> we were talking about this before we started recording and we both felt like it was such an important topic to address. But what you've been learning about going on this quote unquote book tour and talking to different people and interacting with your friends and what you've realized. So I would love for you to share what this experience has been like and what it's been teaching you over the last few months. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about sort of that the expansion to hold for blessings for positive things coming into your life to really hold for the space of achieving the things you've been working toward. And I've always said this, you know, and my work in addiction really helped me see this. It's it, we always think that it's the hard feelings that we struggle to be with. But what I found in my work and now in my personal life is it's also the really good ones, those upper limit feelings where we're scared to feel them, we're scared to receive them. We are, you know, trying to damp them down so we don't get our hopes up too high or we don't feel disappointed pointed when when this time passes where we don't feel worthy and Brene Brown talks about something there I can't remember which book but she describes this feeling of looking over her sleeping children at the end of the night and feeling so much love but the, and then in that same moment thinking about whatever terrible thing could happen to them and she talks about this like expansion of really like opening our heart to receive all the love in that moment and what an enormous love that is, right? The love of her, for, she's feeling for her children and to hold it and to be with it rather than moving into anxiety to feel more comfortable because anxiety is a feeling that we know. So what I've found on this journey is really like, even friends like you who are like, hey, I wanted to have you on for to talk about your book and friends who without a word posted it on their platforms and purchased it and are buying it for their friends and family. I mean, I am having to hold space for this generosity and love that is coming towards me without damping it down, making it small, distancing myself from it so I don't have to feel uncomfortable and to, and that discomfort of receiving. So it's really been a profound experience of like increasing my capacity to hold good mm. and really moving a ring, a rung up the ladder on what normal, you know, a lot of theory and psychology talks about like we have a set point of what we think is normal for our joy or happiness. And if we move be above that, we're sort of like, eh, this is scary. I don't know what this is like. Let me knock myself down a couple rungs to this like zone where I might not be that comfortable, but at least I know it. And so I really think that's something, you know, powerful for us as women especially is to really be with the good um, without running from that too. What is it that you've learned about the people that are not showing up for you though? Because I think you are amazing at showing up in such big ways. You've done it for me countless times now in the short time I've known you. And I appreciate that about you so much. And so I imagine that you would hope that people would show up for you and cheer you on in the same way. But I know that's not necessarily how it always is for you. So what is that teaching you? Yeah, I think it's teaching me... I have such immense compassion 
Because I've been there. I mean, that feeling of, I think the truth in all of our hearts, for the most part, it's not that we don't want this, these beautiful things to happen for other people. We really do. I think most people have a deeply rooted generosity of spirit. It's that we want it also for ourselves. So I know it's so painful when someone is experiencing something you dream of and you hope for, and it's not present in your life and how to hold space for that. And I've watched that happen both in my relationship with my guy and getting engaged. And like in many of areas of my life, there's been a lot of like expansion and a lot of blessings that have happened in the past few years. And I can feel it. I, and, it and I have such empathy for it. It really does take a really strong mindset of faith in the abundance of enough for all of us to say, I'm close to you and you're experiencing such a great partnership. This is increasing the likelihood that it can happen for me. And I think we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but not everybody is capable of it. And it's tough for me not to take that personally, but because I've been there myself at times, I know that that's part of their curriculum and their journey. But yeah, you it, when when these things happen, you can really see the people who are capable of cheering for you and the people who aren't. And it's helped make me a much more conscious person about how I cheer for other people. What advice do you give to people that maybe are in that space where they're not yet able to cheerlead and they can't get out of maybe a funk that they're going through or an insecurity or a tough time? And they really want to be a good friend or a good partner, but they're, they're not able to get there yet. What would you say to them? I would say one, compassion. Welcome to the big old club called being human. There's not a person on this planet who has not felt like that, that I know. I mean, maybe there's someone who popped out of the womb, just completely like generous and never had a thought of ill will or jealousy, but most people I know experience it. So I think the shame that happens from feeling that way is what keeps us stuck there, right? Like nobody wants to feel that. Jealousy is such a shame, can be a shameful feeling if we tell ourselves that story. So the first step I think is compassion, like, and name it. I think there's something really powerful about calling it for what is, I'm feeling very envious right now. I'm feeling very jealous. I'm telling myself a story that it's happening. If it's happening for her, it can't happen for me. Because when we get space from what we're wearing, we can see it more clearly. And then the, the mindset that's really been most powerful for me is one based in faith. I trust that my higher power is not going to deliver me anything that is not in the right time, that is not for my peace or happiness, and not for the greater good. So if it's not happening yet, it's not meant to. So I think that really comes down to faith. But also, that proximity is power. And I've had a lot of friends who have had this mindset and it helped me to develop it for myself. But like, yes, actually, part of what helped me choose a healthier partner and a man I'm now engaged to is being around people who had healthier relationships than the one I was in. And so having these people close to us is really a real benefit. So if that friend is having all this joy and this blessing, know that that's, that energy is equally contagious. And having it around you, having abundance around you means you're marinating in that vibration. So I think those things, compassion for yourself, but then also looking at the story that you're telling yourself about what it means about you and allowing that to be, but then shifting into a, a more positive... It sounds so cheesy, a more positive mindset about it, but it's, <laughs> it's like, true, that's though. really how it works. Yeah. yeah. 
non-toxic beauty products. What do we do? How do we know which brands are the best? I have taken all the guesswork out of this for you. So if you go to thisistheplatform.com slash shop, you're going to find all my faves from all my favorite brands and people, mostly female founders, which holla, I love that. You know it. And in this space, you'll find Beauty Counter, which is one of my favorite brands in the whole world. Not only do they have some of the best, most effective products and beautiful packaging, but they are doing the hard work for us. They are fighting to improve the standards of beauty products, to get all these horrible chemicals out of our products, out of our bodies, and out of our environment. So go to thisisaplatform.com slash shop and check out Beauty Counter. My personal fave right now that I'm telling every one of my friends about is the overnight resurfacing peel. Oh my gosh, you will love this. It makes you glow overnight and it is so effective. Big fan. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. So I hadn't told you about this yet, but I think this is this is an important conversation to have, especially now that we're talking about this. But we, like I said, launched our journal. And obviously, I knew I was going to be talking to you about your book and journal that is coming out very soon. And I was so excited to have you on the show to talk about this because I love supporting you. I love everything you're about. You know that I adore you in every way. But all of a sudden, my ego stepped in and was like, wait a second, you have a journal. You shouldn't talk to Tiffany about her journal because that you're basically telling people not to buy yours and buy hers because it's better. And so I got into this internal battle of like, okay, I love her. I think this is amazing. I've seen it. It's beautiful. I want to support her in every way, but am I doing something wrong? Should I protect myself? And so I got on the phone with Laura and I said, here's my thing. I want to do this, but part of me is saying it's bad and that my insecurities are starting to pop up and I don't know what to do. And she said, do you support Tiffany? And do you believe in what she's doing? And I said, yes. And she said, what is of greatest service? And I said, supporting her. Because not my journal may not be it for everyone. And of course, I want people to get what they need to heal and, and have everything they need for themselves. So of course, I want to support her. She said, then why wouldn't you have her on the show? And it was such a beautiful conversation because... It's such a it's a check, right? It's okay, here's my insecurity and my ego, but here's where my heart is. And it's really allowing yourself to work through those conversations because we're always going to be in situations like that. But if you always step back and say, what is of greatest service and what are you truly about? Then you'll always find the answer. Oh my god, girl, I have goosebumps and I just <laughs> want to reach through the Zoom and squeeze you. you. <laughs> like that's so brave. And like, this is what the work is about, like calling it out. Like I've talked about jealousy so much on my channel. I think people are like, oh, holy. I mean, you keep bringing it up because it's so important. And for you, it's not, it wasn't really a matter of jealousy, but scarcity maybe. Like, is there space? And I totally hear you because when I saw your journal coming out, I was like, oh my God, this looks great. And yours looks like a daily one, right? Mm, Yeah. So what I was actually thinking, and this is super rad because mine's once a week. So what's super cool is ours actually dovetail very nicely. <laughs> Yours can be the daily, you know, check-in and this is sort of like a overarching like once a week are you on track moving towards the goal that you want to create. But so that that's another interesting we have this story that things actually don't connect and dovetail but then they really can and will perfectly if we allow for that. 
but also this like, if it's hers, it won't be mine. And that is so powerful. And I just want to give you such credit because I've been there. And I think that this, these conversations and this choice to move powerfully in a different direction and trust, like what is for you is can't possibly be for me. And what is for me can't possibly be for you because we have our own paths, but it's so wired into us to, to behave the other way in every area of business in every area of, you know, marketing and strategy and to learn to do business and strategy in a soulful, faith-filled, heart-centered way is like so counterculture. It's not even funny, right? But then I think when we start to see the rewards of this, not just manifesting, you know, physically, but just how much better it feels, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, we're all giving each other permission to shine. And by me shining, then you get to shine and then you help another woman shine. And it's just this domino effect. And I've realized, especially in the last year of not having to work in a male-dominated industry and being with a lot of women, is that the more together we are and united and as a collective, the more powerful we are. And I've learned so much about myself in just showing up for other people and kind of just surrendering and letting it be what it is. And I I feel so full and so honored to be with people like you and Laura and Monica. And just the, the amount of knowledge and confidence that I have now from this group that I never had before because I couldn't surrender. It was always that ego scarcity mindset rather than this abundant, how can I serve and be with other amazing people? Yes. And I think that do it on our own. And, you know, if she has it, it means I can't have it. And there's only one spot at the top. And I know, especially in your line of work, you know, with in the past in sports, right? Like there's only so many token slots for women who are on the sidelines. And, 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 and now in this industry, it's so quote unquote oversaturated with like helpers and healers that it's easy to think, that a client for her means there's there's not a client for me or a book purchase from her means not. But the reality is, is that it all does play. We we really do all rise together. And I, I found that to be true in my own tribe. Like if I didn't have other women who are entrepreneurs lighting the way, showing me that they can make you know, a living, a purposeful living, a living where they're enjoying what they're doing and they're giving back, while you know being creative, and I, I, if I didn't even see it, I wouldn't have known it existed. You know, I wouldn't have even known to dream this big. I wouldn't have known how to negotiate contracts or talk to people. Like my tribe of really trailblazing women around me, yourself included, they all like light the way. I would be in a dark cave if I didn't have people around me who showed me what is possible. But then we sort of get up and we get in that playing field and we're like, only one person can shoot the goal, you know, but that mindset really doesn't serve us. And it, it leaves us feeling so, so isolated. And when we, when we move from that place of like not enoughness, God, it feels like crap, you know? I got a question earlier this week on Instagram um, from this young woman and I thought it was so beautiful and I was so proud of her for being vulnerable in this way. And I thought, 
I'm going to address this in my solo episode, but even better, I wanted to talk to you about it because I felt like you were the perfect person to discuss this for a variety of reasons. But what she asked me was, how does she work on forgiving herself and showing herself grace when she hurts someone or is in the wrong in a situation? Because she feels that there's so much information out there for people that are victims in situations where they've had something done to them. But what about the person that made the bad choice and hurt someone else? How does she show herself grace and forgive herself and be able to move on and be better moving forward? Well, I'm having full body chills because I saw that question in your Insta stories and it hit my heart. And I was like, yes, because I agree with her. Because I think, especially in our culture and all of these movements, we are, we are vilifying people who have made mistakes. And does justice and responsibility and accountability absolutely have to happen in a lot of these issues? Yes. However, what I've learned, especially working... Well, first of all, I've learned this myself personally. But especially working in a field of addiction, it is a disease that has people do things against their values. So almost everybody I've ever worked with in that line of work has hurt somebody. And what's left out of this conversation is how do you move through that and how do you live through that? And what I found quite honestly, and it all comes back to this for me, is that is where, that is why I always work with a discussion of spirituality and faith because of that experience in my work and because of that experience in my life. There's only so far that our own reason and in my experience, rationality can take us where we need faith for that extra dose and that last leg of forgiveness and of understanding and of compassion. So for me, when I went through, you know, some very difficult times where I was forgiving myself and moving through ways in which I had acted out outside of my value system, my faith was the thing that helped me and healed me. And for me, I found um, all of the Bible verses that talked about asking for forgiveness and how when you do that, your sins are cast as far as the East is from the West. And the idea of, you know, especially in AA, the idea of making amends where you can, but also living amends, because sometimes to make a verbal amends would do more harm. And so we work on really having compassion for ourselves as human beings, the brokenness that is within all of us, and learning that our behavior is not who we are. It is what we once did. And when we know better, we can do better. And as we forgive ourselves and have compassion for ourselves, it opens us up and frees us to do better. And it also lets us live in compassion for other people who are making mistakes and have brought harm to themselves and other people. So yes, this is a deep, big, wide conversation, but one that I think needs to happen more and more. And I'm, you know, what's hard for me is even... I mean, God, this is going to be... Am I really going to say this? It's going to be super controversial, but I avoid some of these conversations because I know people have so many feelings. But even if you take a look at the situation with our president, and people have a lot of feelings about him, and there's just factually, whether his politics or not, factually in his behavior, there is existing a degree of personality disorder, right? Or narcissism. 
But what I think about because of my training, because of my experiences is what happened. How do we get to a place where we hurt people? How do hurt people hurt people? And what was the hurt that came to these people that set them up to distance themselves from their compassion, from their empathy, that caused them to act in ways that, that brought harm? You know, these are the questions that when we, it doesn't make, mean we excuse anybody's behavior, but when we get curious, we can actually get to the root of the problem because what happens is, is we're all so afraid of, I think having the truth of this conversation, because anytime anyone expresses a weakness or makes a mistake in our culture, we vilify them. We jump on them. We tear them apart in the media. We reduce them to parts and not a human being. And when we seek to understand how this person got to be here, we can hopefully help to stop these cycles where they started. So that's a lot. That's a mouthful. But it's something that I really feel strongly about. And I love that your reader and your follower brought that forward. Me too. I was so proud of her. I just it takes it takes a lot of courage to say things like that and to admit I've been wrong and I want to move through this and I'm just not sure how. So I really really commend her for doing that. Um the last thing I wanted to ask you about and I've wanted to talk to you about this for a while so I'm excited you're back is why you don't drink and why you choose to live your life without alcohol because I am seeing this spread much more um, with a lot of people in my circle. And I'm just curious why you've made that decision for yourself. Yeah, I found my way into that decision. So I, for many years, have been barely drinking. Recently, I tried to think about when the last time I had a drink was, and I couldn't remember. And I was like, when was it? Was it, oh my God, oh, I had like a sip of champagne at my sister's wedding. That was a year and like, seven months ago. Holy moly. And so for me, it wasn't like this conscious choice or like a commitment. It was something that I slowly just lived into. And what happened for me is over, over the course of all of these years of... First of all, I've, I've grown up with addiction in my family system and alcoholism. So I had many experiences as a result of that in my family. And then I did this work for a decade. <laughs> and so if there's anybody who's, who's seen just how devastating drinking and drugs and chemicals can be. It's me. And what I found was, even with all of that background information, even though I did this 40 hours a week, I was still drinking because I thought I should. But it didn't feel good, especially over the last eight or you know 10 years. It's like I drink and I'd wake up the next day with a headache and you know, anxiousness and out of my body and like, yuck. And I would think, why did I do that? And as I grew into creating a life that was super full, what happened is, truthfully, is I had less and less space to feel like shit. And as my mornings became full, as I my workouts and my calendar and my clients were all the time, it was like, I'd never could really justify saying, oh, I'm going to feel a little yucky on Saturday morning because of the dinner with my friends. And so what started to happen is I started questioning every thought, oh, you should drink when you're on vacation. And I would be like, really? Why? Why is that a celebratory thing? Why is it a celebration to drink a toxin on the beach? And I wouldn't. And then the next time, oh, you're going out with your friends, but okay, yeah, I know this is fun and she just got engaged, but I really don't want to feel yucky tomorrow. And then I wouldn't. And then it just over time built. And I can, I can say that 
it is, I think, one of the health behaviors that is is most positive in my life. I I don't miss it. I am happier and healthier as a result. All the things I thought that I wouldn't be fun or cool or sexy even or belonging are actually also not true. And in fact, I feel more of a sense of belonging and all of those things within myself. So it's really been a journey. Um, But for me, I just found that I felt like I was being socialized to do it and it didn't actually serve me. I'm so proud of you. The way you advocate for yourself and the way you are in tune with your body and your heart is so admirable. And I know I tell you this all the time, but I learn so much from you every day. And I'm just so appreciative of the example you set for me and so many women, especially your vulnerability and your courage and your bravery is so, so wonderful. And I I just hope you know, I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so excited that everyone's going to have this year I will in their hands very soon because it is awesome. Well, I feel the exact same way about you. And I love this these opportunities for us to meet on your show, to have these really powerful, raw, raw and real conversations that really change. Like this is, I think, how we change the world. We meet each other. We tell the truth. We love each other through the messy parts of our truth. And we try to do better. And you inspired me to do that every day. And I can't wait to share your journal with my people um, (laughs) and use it myself. So I need my copy. Yes. I promise I will get that to you. (laughs) Thank you, Tiff. I love that Tiffany allows me to be so vulnerable with her and how supportive she is. I'm sure you have a lot of friends that you may not be able to have these conversations with. And I really urge you to open up the way she and I are able to and support each other in those hard moments and those hard conversations. Because sometimes all it takes is you to have a little faith in your friends and allow them to show up for you and allow them to teach you lessons and provide insight and wisdom that you may not be able to find for yourself. She's one of my favorite people in the whole world. I am grateful for her in all the ways. And I know that her book will make Make a profound impact on your life. So don't forget to pick up This Year I Will by Tiffany Louise and find her on Instagram at tiffany.louise. We'll have another inspiring conversation for you in just a few days on the platform podcast. But in the meantime, have an amazing day and we will see you soon. <laughs>